make a difference thanks to the Chemist Warehouse Charity Super Raffle. Head online to donate today. This is In The Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. No, it's not. It's a very different midfield combination tonight. Looking forward to this one. In fact, Mark Watson and alongside of me, a man who played 77 times for the Crusaders, a number of tests for the All Blacks, and was assistant coach for the Waratahs when they won Super Rugby Championship back in 2014. It's great pleasure. We welcome to the programme Daryl Gibson. Daryl, welcome. Evening, Mark. You're staying out of trouble these days. Where are you? I live in the Bay of Plenty. Uh, still living there, and work for High Performance Sport as the head of um, coach development oh. and coaching pathways. Oh, brilliant. And is that across all sport, is it? It is. It is. So primarily um, the 46 sports of yep. New Zealand um, tend to not really stick with uh, – we do you know, work with cricket, rugby, and netball you know, as our major sports, but we're really looking at um, developing our podium – podium sports and then of course our aspirational sports which um you know many new zealanders uh love to see uh, you know the black sun flying at commonwealth and, and olympic games um and so we look at the coaching behind that yeah we've had um former canterbury and new zealand cricketer andy ellis on the program and he's i think heavily involved in a similar role as to you only down in christchurch yeah that's right obviously um you know we've got sport new zealand who cover the community and pathway program and um, development needs, whereas we're looking at sort of the high, the pointy end, you know, the high performance yep. athletes, um, you know, that get funding and all the sports that receive uh, investment to be able to run their sports. What sport has impressed you the most? What, what sport's the toughest? What sport you just sit back and go, whoa, these guys are good, or whoa, this is, well, these girls are good, oh man, look at what they do, and it's just amazing the workload and what's actually involved. Well, I'm always really impressed with the coaches from what we'd consider minor sports because, you know, they're jack of all trades. They, yep, they, they have to be, yeah. They do everything. Yep. You know, um, for instance, you know, Rob Moore, who's in charge of our national speed climbing team. Yes. Uh, I think he's currently away in Korea. You know, he is a man who, uh, based in Bar Plenty, but has six athletes uh, that he looks after, but pretty much... Uh, does everything in speed climbing, you know, so, you know, there's plenty of stories, of, um, you know, like, like Rob, um, and that's, you know, due to a, a number of fact, factors, you know, around resourcing and, and so forth, um, but there are some incredible people doing some incredible stuff uh, in behind the scenes. So, Daryl, that then probably answers my next question. The first question I was going to ask you, is you're not going to put your um, hat into the ring for the Crusaders' top job now that Scott Robertson's <laughs> on his way to the All Blacks? I mean, that's the question I was going to ask you tonight. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of um, yeah, coaching jobs around at the moment. Um, I'm still involved with Fiji. I'm really looking forward to going to the Rugby World Cup uh, in July. Well, beginning in July for us in yeah. terms of the preparation towards that. Uh, in terms of Super Rugby, I really feel, you know, having been at the Crusaders, when was it, you know, 2009 through to 12 as an assistant, and then with the Waratahs for seven years, um, that I've given Super Rugby a really good crack. I've never obviously shut the door on Super Rugby, but... For me, I, I'm really uh, energised by the international game. You know, I've had a little taste of that over the last three years. So I think my next move in, in coaching would be at the international level and, and getting a look at something different. 
Okay, let's switch the focus and talk about the Crusaders. I mean, you formed a, a great midfield combination with the likes of Mark Mayo. Hopefully, you had the likes of Andrew Mertens. When you go back to your time, which was sort of almost at the inception of Super Rugby 96 on to sort of the early 2000s, and you look at the way the game's been played now, has there been much of an evolution? And if so, where's that evolution come? No, oh, incredible evolution. You know, you, you look at the games back 96, through to even 2000s. You know, we were still amateurs learning to be professionals. And I think in the modern game, you know, the players are coming through such excellent pathways that they are far more um, professionalised, you know, in terms of the approach. Um, they are better athletes, um, put together, you know, excellent programmes. And that's creating a, a game of um, high attrition. I think, you know, you can tell by the number of injuries this year. But then also there's been evolutions in uh, analytics, you know, the ability to analyse the mm. game. And I think that's a worldwide trend in the mm. fact that we're seeing very little um, competitive advantage anymore. You know, you can pretty much look across the globe at what any team's doing at any stage and analyse and work mm. out, you know, what, what different teams are doing. Um, com combined, I guess, with excellent coaching that the boys are receiving uh, these days. You know, typically coaching teams are made up of four to five coaches. You know, in our day, we had two coaches. We had a, a forwards coach and a backs coach. Um, and the players were probably expected to do more, you know, around the coaching of the team. So in the Crusaders case, I think, you know, during the infancy years where we just had Robbie or um, Smithy, um, we, we did a lot more just because purely you couldn't couldn't function if you didn't have that resource. So I think it's probably why Crusaders have produced so many coaches, I think. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, though, because you talked about the sort of evolution and amateurs learning how to become professionals, but it always appears, though, that the Crusaders were almost the pace setters. They were ones that were sort of writing the book or getting the book out there or writing the chapters before anybody else and everybody else was sort of reading. And that still seems to be the case today. They've always just seemed to be ahead of the game a little bit. Why is that? Yeah, I guess, you know, the Crusaders have had excellent foundations, you know, in terms of setting up a, a legacy effect where, you know, there's generations or now decades of um, men who have come through that organisation uh, who are incredibly proud of, of what it produces. Um, and it wasn't always like that. Oh, sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben, just cut out there. Um, and, you know, you, you look at the first year of Super Rugby, Crusaders finished last, and out of that, you know, Wayne Smith, really took hold of that culture and created you know the foundations of what is today and, and many different coaches have, have taken that on and the leadership of the crusaders um and grown into what it is today uh, a very um slick well oiled machine um that attracts the best talent mm. I want to talk about um, Scott Hanson, who's going to be part of the All Black coaching framework going forward, but a key man behind the scenes for the Crusaders. Um, I know that Scott Robertson last year pretty much singled him out when they beat the Blues at Eden Park. He said, look, they beat us in the round robin. We went away from that. And Scott Hanson did his homework, and then eight weeks later, well, the rest is history. They beat the Blues up badly at Eden Park. Um, and I'd imagine a similar thing is now going on off the back of the two losses now to the Chiefs. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit about what exactly these guys do do. You talk about the analytics um, and, yeah. and and where does what is their job description? How far? How much involvement do they have in terms of the tactical side of it, or the advice that they do give the coaches based on what they've seen, based on the video footage that they have studied? Absolutely. Well, it'll be dependent on, of course, everyone's roles within that coaching team and the way um, Razors set set the coaching team up. Um, I think you're absolutely correct, uh, Mark, on in terms of strategy. Now, the Chiefs have beaten Crusaders twice now. Mm. So they know, you know, given their run home, that they're likely going to be in the, in the finals there and thereabout and may meet the Chiefs again. So I think they would have learned quite a, a good deal about the Chiefs and, and different tactical approaches they've tried. Um, but I'm not quite sure whether it's a tactical problem, you know, the Crusaders have against the Chiefs. I think um, you know, that... the Chiefs are in a... Oh, so... Sorry, Mark. No, no, go for it, Daryl, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, the, the Chiefs, in my view, are looking a very, very strong squad, you know, mm. across the team. They have excellent depth plus a bench that is coming on and impacting the game. Um, and, and if you look at the Crusaders over the past few years, that has been the hallmark of Crusaders teams. Mm. You know, we've seen the Crusaders roll over teams at the 60th mark to the 80th mark, um, either with their set-piece dominance or a change in tactics that has led to that dominance um, with the bench coming on and providing impact. And I think at the moment you're seeing a Crusaders team that is transitioning um, some of its more established, experienced players, uh, which will move off and bringing through, you know, the likes of um, Dominic Gardner, you know, young guys who are just starting to find their feet in Super Rugby. Whereas you look at the Chiefs, they're hugely experienced across um, their squad, um, kept the squad together for two or three years. And I think they're reaping the benefits of that um, this year. I want to talk about a, a fine man, Albert grammar boy in Jack Goodhue. Um, followed Jack a lot through school. Um, he's clearly been sort of injured almost for the last two years. Thought he looked really sharp when he did come on against the Chiefs. Um, and clearly a week earlier. Do you still believe he is clearly in the all-black frame in that midfield? Yeah, I think he, he'll always be because he's an excellent player. I think um, for Jack, it's going to be how quickly he can you know, recover from those injuries, you know, get really back to his full fitness and, and um, full capability you know to give himself maximum opportunity to, to put himself in the frame you know he's got what five more games left in the round robin and then obviously the the semi hopefully the semi series to to put his name up forward um in an area where you know you're looking across our midfield um it's still reasonably wide open have we lost him yep reconnected Yep, uh, reconnected, there we go, sorry, yep. Yeah, you're just talking about the midfield being relatively wide open. Yeah, I think, um, you know, places still up for grabs. I think Rico Oani at, at outside centre is, is playing very well. Um, and a number of players still to come back to, you know, push mm. their claim, but uh, certainly still still early in the, in the year and, and you know, plenty of uh, opportunity for people to put their hand up. Yeah, yeah David Harvili, what have you, I mean, you're somebody who's spent a lot of time in the midfield. What have you made of David Harvili at second 5'8"? Do you feel that he's sort of got his head around that now or do you still sort of prefer to see him at fullback? I just think he's such an excellent player in any position. Um, that sometimes 
a bit of a um a problem in the fact that he can cover such um very positions so yep i i think david's definitely in the equation somewhere you know it's again a number of players who are working themselves into some sort of form that's going to warrant sort of all black selection mm-hmm. we, we often talk about uh, i mean second five i mean what is the key role of the second five is it just simply taking it to the line is is uh, give um, i mean just give us the intricacies it's a little bit like what separates the number six from the number seven i mean we often hear about oh, damien mckenzie's taking the ball to the line and then you go well yeah but you know second five eight tends to sort of want to crash it up a little bit get across that advantage line so so just talk us a little bit about what, what the yeah what is the yeah. key role of the of of the number 12. well i think um, there's a number of different ways you can play that position um at the moment in the modern game you know it's teams have preferred a second ball player type um player you know to give give the team the uh, extra variability or you're looking for someone who can give you really excellent go forward um, you know, I'm thinking of um, Nani Lamapi, for, for instance. Yeah. Played the position with a very robust sort of style. And then at the moment, I think you've got a number of hybrid type players who can do both. You know, I think that's probably what midfield are developing into. They're very, very abrasive, but still have the added flair and, and touches you'd expect of a ball player. Um, mm. And so uh, typically you're, you're tough. You know, you've got to get in, get over the ball, be very physical. Um, so they're all sort of elements um, and probably reasons why I enjoyed playing that position. Yeah, Jack, could you better second five or centre? Where would you play him if he was fully fit? I, I think at the moment, um, you know, we've seen largely at centre, and he's playing performing incredibly well. I think at the moment, just where he is, I think probably twelve for him at the moment. You know, until he works himself way back into full fitness. I think as a thirteen um, these days, you know, defensive reads are incredibly important. Something that I think Rico Ayani has really developed over the last sort of two years. I've been quite critical of him in the past, but yep, I agree this year yep. he's, he, he's really nailed that. Um, plus with his extra added pace, I think he offers something at outside centre that's a little bit different. Um, and so, you know, for me, the outside centre has got to have that little bit of X factor, whereas for me, you know, the 12 is a little bit more cut and dry um, and very, very sort of consistent and solid with their skill sets. You are listening to In the Red, Mark Watson alongside of me, a former Crusader, a coach these days with High Performance Sport NZ, Daryl Gibson. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue talking all things Crusaders. If you've got any texts, you can text us here on 8833. Just a reminder too, DHL Super Rugby is underway. Uh, do watch it. Check out skysport.co.nz. No, combination's far more lethal. It's Gibson and Watson or Gibson and May or Hoffler. No, it's not. It's just Daryl Gibson and me just pushing some buttons. <laughs> Daryl Gibson, we are talking all things Crusaders. <laughs> hey, hey, look, Daryl, I just wouldn't mind asking a little bit of a high-performance question from you. Just something you said earlier, and I'm always curious about this. You talk now about the volume of coaches that these franchises now have. Uh, you also reflected on the gentleman who's involved in rock climbing. He's a one. He's a one-man band. How many coaches is too many? Because I sort of feel sometimes our players now, I don't know, at, at times they're almost so over-resourced that they forget to think for themselves. And, uh, yeah, I, I get concerned that, you know, yeah. there's not enough resilience or there's not enough adversity at times. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I think probably the difference nowadays is you're working with a squad upwards of, say, 38 contracted players. Um, and then in your wider squad, you probably have upwards of 50. And so, um, you know, at the moment, you know, five coaches is a general sort of um, way teams are setting themselves up. Just dropped out again, and we got him back. Got you back there, Daryl? Yep, now we are. Sorry, that's the atmosphere, um, all the rain. and no. um, As I said, you know, most coaching teams have five um, coaches to cover that sort of just lost him again. We're just having a few atmospheric conditions. We might just see if we can get him back. Just want to... Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm back, Mark. Okay, I'm yep, here. no, all good. Yeah, look, I live at Mirawai, yeah. mate, out on the west coast of Auckland, so I know what bad atmospheric <laughs> conditions are like. I know what the last two months have been like. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, so just no, go back to that volume of coaches and therefore, yeah, the way that's set up, five, five coaches. Yeah. And I think, obviously, um, teams will still require the players to do a great deal and they still do you know i think players now are so um professionalized you know it's a i'd hate to say it but you know it's almost become a job for them um and that's probably for me when i'm looking from the outside the refreshing thing about the black ferns and their campaign and, and was just how the players appeared to be like super rugby players of 20 years ago they still hold held the amateur values they, they answered questions with um without a mask on, you know, uh, whereas uh, I think the players of today we've, we've professionalised to such a degree and scrutinised that, um, you know, everything about their performance and their life is, um, is a little bit controlled. Mm. Let's just go back and look at that Chiefs performance. I still just sense that the Crusaders are not too far away. Get a few players back. Can I suggest that the Crusaders, when they've got Ethan Blackadder back, are uh, a step up again. How, how how big a loss was he not being there on Saturday? How important is he to this Crusaders campaign? Yeah, I think he's, he's very important because he brings that physicality. And I think probably the thing I've been impressed with the competition at the moment is uh, New Zealand teams have increased their physicality. And the reason I say that's important is for New Zealand rugby and our All Blacks to compete well at the Rugby World Cup um, against the likes of France and Ireland, who are incredibly physical. Um, you know, we need a competition that shows it. And I think a player like Ethan Blackadder, um, Dalton Papali'i, you know, Sam Kane, big bodies, um, put themselves about and play the game incredibly physically. So I think that goes well for, um, you know, the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, one area where we have been concerned and sort of started to right a few wrongs last year, um, and that's in the front row, but to Mighty Williams, he must be putting his hand up. They must be looking at this guy for this year. I mean, how good's he been? Yeah, I think he's one of a number of players. I think, you know, again, I go back to Crusaders Hallmark, uh, has been the, the set piece. And for the first time, you saw the Crusaders scrum a little bit vulnerable. You know, the, the last five minutes of the game, you know, the Chiefs showed, you know, just how much they've improved in the scrum time. Um, you know, granted, they had a couple of all-black locks pushing, you know, their front row, but uh, it's really impressive. I just think, you know, the the Crusaders' tight five have been dominant. So, again, um, 
you've got developing players. You know, Tamaiti, he'll come into his own um, as a prop um, once he really has back-to-back seasons um, and really develop that body of his, which is a big, large frame. Mm, okay. Uh, look, this weekend, Crusaders have got the force at home, um, a game I think probably people would expect the Crusaders to win. Uh, when you come off such a, an intense game like the Chiefs and you look at the record of the force, how hard is it to get yourself up this weekend? How hard is it to gauge whether or not you've made the changes that you, or you've rectified things that you perhaps didn't do against the Chiefs against weaker opposition? How, how do you measure whether or not you, you did make those changes? Yeah, I think obviously the impressive thing about the Crusaders is how they've used their squad over the years, you know, brought through the talent that they have in their um, pathways in their squad. So I'd expect with a game like the Force, the Crusaders would do a a similar thing. You know, it'll be a mix of their regular starters with, you know, a few of their squad players mixed in to give them that experience. You know, it's the perfect opportunity uh, against a team that's at the bottom, you know, bottom half of the, the competition to give you know the squad valuable game time and keep that competition up um, which is vitally important and they of course bring enthusiasm you know the, the crusaders will be looking at that game and thinking about and charting their way through to the playoffs you know knowing that hey we need to get a at least a, a home quarter um and then you know hopefully be in that top two to get a home semi to give them a self you know, a decent run into the into the finals to make the Chiefs if they can. Yeah, because a week later they do take on the Blues. Hey, look, I'm part of this show, um, Daryl. I'm not sure if you're made aware or not, but you've got to give us your DHL Crusaders Player of the Round, and then you've got to give us your DHL Super Rugby Player of the Round across any team. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that's a good question. Very good question. Um, you can start with the Crusaders. If this is here, you can be completely biased. Crusaders. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, mm. I think, yeah, I'm not going to put, but yeah, Dominic Gard. I'm not putting names in your head. Yeah, I thought uh, the, the young back row um, did incredibly well. Um, you know, Dom Gardner, he's a young player of promise, isn't he? He's, he can play in the in the second row or in the back row. Um, obviously, Cullen Craig's back again, so it, it's good to see the, those young guys back in the fray. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm going to go, um, oh God, I'm going to go with Braden Enor. Yep. I thought, no. uh, he's, he's getting better and better. I know there was a couple of defensive reads he probably wouldn't be too happy about. And, uh, you know, the edge defense, which allowed the Chiefs to, to make the, the vital breaks and tries. But I think as a player, he's consistently, um, um, played well this year, and, and yeah, as a player who's who's put his put his hands up. Okay, and, and then that player maybe across the round it could come out of the Chiefs, uh, could come out of the Blues oh. up in Fiji. I don't know how much rugby you saw over the weekend, but yeah, no, I watched most of it. I think um, yeah, for me, I, I, I can't go past Amy McKenzie. I yep. thought yep. Um, he's had a, a fantastic breakout year in, in a position that. We just lost you again. That we all knew, yep. That we all knew he could he could fill in admirably as a utility. But now I think he's he's turning himself into a genuine World Cup contender at, at fly half, um, and bringing something to that position, um, which is quite exciting. Um, and I'm sure it's causing the selectors a few issues. The fact that you know with Moanga Barrett and uh, now McKenzie, you know you've got um, some real selection dilemmas. 
He takes the ball hard to the line, doesn't he, for a little fella? Oh, just impressive. You know, the, the kicking length that he has got. Um, what I like about him is he moves onto the ball really well. You know, he does. he's, he's incredibly brave, um, doesn't shoot the physical stuff. Uh, even though in the game you could see the Crusaders were definitely targeting his channel. So, um, really exciting. Great for the Chiefs, you know. You know, they're riding on the back of his form um, and a number of excellent performances across the team. So, exciting. Daryl, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for coming off the bench. Greatly appreciated. You were brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Thank you. No problem, Mark. Enjoyed uh, chatting to you. No, fantastic. Daryl Gibson there, a man who um, well and truly established in uh, Crusaders and All Black and New South Wales rugby folklore these days doing God's work with um, High Performance Sport NZ. Just want to acknowledge the Chemist Warehouse, the Real House of Fragrances. Special thanks too to DHL. DHL Super Rugby Pacifica is underway. You can check out the action live on Sky Sport or get your tickets at, rugby at superrugby.co.nz. Just want to encourage you, any advertisers that you do here on the station, if they are a brand that it's part of a future purchasing decision. Please go with those brands that support this station. So again, acknowledge the Chemist Warehouse. Also just want to acknowledge DHL. 29 minutes after 7.